Hi, my name is Trisha, the core behavioral therapist, and my guest today is Rhea Rampersad. Hi, Rhea. Thanks for joining us. Sure, I'm happy to be here. It's great. Um, so, Rhea, the reason why I asked you here is because you are an essential worker. Well, let me first preface by saying that my Rhea is my sister, and you might hear us sounding alike, so I hope you can decipher who's talking and who's not talking, which one is which. Um, so Rhea, the reason why I asked you here is because you were basically thrusted into the forefront um, during COVID-19. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. So let's just take a step back and I'd say, you know, I'd like to start with where it all began. And I would say in January of 2019, my firm, I had my previous firm I started with um, was working for went through a restructuring and the team's jobs moved overseas. Uh, and I suddenly found myself unemployed and really used that time to reassess wh what I wanted to do next. I knew I wanted to travel a bit, so I did that. Visited a friend in Naples, Florida. I knew I wanted to kind of center and focus on the role I wanted next, so kind of restructured my resume for that. And I knew that I wanted to take up a few classes, read a few books, and really just use the time to relax and just focus on goals that I was not able to do because my position was so high stress yeah. and so involved in travel and just, you know, nonstop. So fast forward to, I would say, March, March, uh, April, uh, COVID happened. And of that, this year, of 2020. The, of 2020, yeah. I found myself needing to uh, jump into the family business to help essentially save it and becoming an essential worker and learning everything from the ground up. Yeah, um, that was that was really tough. I remember, you know, hearing about it and actually being here um, in New Jersey. And I just want to let everyone know that if you're hearing noise, we're in the backyard of my sister's house in Jersey so you're gonna hear some noises maybe even some neighbors um, but yeah Ria that must have been really tough um, working in at the family business is no joke right I wouldn't call myself uh, the most courageous person oh, or, you're a brave. Brave, or a brave person <laughs> I just I really wouldn't call myself that I don't if, if an accident happens I'm not the person to, to run out of the car and, and do CPR. That's more you. I would say I'm the person who's dialing 911 right. and giving frantic details. <laughs> step by step how to get there and frantic, clear, loud details. So <laughs> yeah. for me, I just jumped into work mode right. and kind of structured uh, the team at the family business and see, you know, we had to adapt to the changing situation. You know, with COVID, a lot of people didn't want to come into work. So we had to look at the crew and see who we had, restructure the plan, and, and try to uh, bucket the hours for who we had left to work and just really all got on board with saving, saving the business. Um, and we're, we're still doing the same. Uh, so it was definitely stressful at the first four weeks of, of being at the epicenter of um, the height of you know, the, the, yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, so um, what you don't know about Rhea, she wakes up like three o'clock in the morning here in New Jersey and gets ready for uh, for the family business to go head into the city. And she gets there real early. Um, 
and I can only um, imagine the toll it took on you and the team there, you and the staff, um, being in the front lines. Um, what did you see in the neighborhood? It was in it's in Manhattan. What did you see as far as the people coming into the into the family business? Like, what were the stresses or anything you saw uh, in in people? Um, I would say you know waking up at three in the morning I mean that's something I'm used to doing for my friends who are listening they're probably laughing they know I get up really early <laughs> so for me it was kind of like a natural transition to do that anyway right in my previous jobs I've always got I've always had to start very early working overseas so for me it was a natural transition I don't think that was a stressful part for me I think the most I, I, I'll take a step back yes it was that the stressful part about that was not seeing any roads in the car I mean not seeing cars in the road um, so that was a stressful part for me. That was kind of scary. Wow, and you I didn't had, see cars in the in the highway. No, there were no cars in the highway when you were driving from New Jersey yeah, to New in York the mor- in the morning, heading to wow. the city. When you're used to seeing cars on the highway, you're used to seeing trucks. You're used to seeing, and that was every day for four weeks. You're seeing nobody but like a few cars, a peppering of cars. That was kind of, you know, that was kind of shocking. You knew you were driving over that bridge, and you knew that that city. You're going into a city that was just sick. It just didn't look like the vibrant New York City, and you're doing it every day because you have to do it. There's no choice but to do it. So that getting there, mentally getting there, and trying to prepare yourself for a positive day, and not knowing what to expect, that was kind of tolling uh, for the start of the day. Getting into the city, right now. What about the people that you that would come in? It sounds really stressful and difficult, and you said scary, and it also sounds isolating because it's not the hustle and bustle of the New York City that we once knew before COVID-19. So when you got to the family business, right? Sure. What kind of customers did you have coming in? Sure. So I would say the first couple of weeks, people did panic buying. So there's a lot of panic buying, toilet paper, uh, (laughs) snacks, beer, anything we had, the shelves were completely cleaned up. There were some things on in the shelves that I thought were expired. People were buying it. They didn't care. (laughs) I, I, you know, they they just didn't care. You know, everything we had that was Clorox related, anything we had that was Lysol related, everything was cleaned out. And then the customers that were coming in after that first week weren't the normal customers. Um, the customers that we have in the neighborhood were on the Upper East Side. Right. The customers that we had hightailed it out of the city and headed out to the Hamptons, headed out to upstate New York. Wherever they had a, a second home, a lot of people just left. And that was the scary part, too, because the customers we started to see were not from the neighborhood, not people we were used to. Um, and it was getting kind of aggressive because, you know, people couldn't find food for the first couple of weeks, had to stand in long lines. We have D'Agostino's across the street, and that was kind of hard for people to stand on those lines, especially elderly. We were delivering a lot to the elderly community. Right. Uh, we, we are known for that. Because uh, the Upper East Side in that section um, where we're located, there's a lot of the elderly population. It's more of a family area, more of a residential area, I would say. Right, and that was hard because you knew that if you didn't show up, we were the only deli open. Wow. Uh, we were the only place open. Uh, for a number of weeks and for us you know it went from you know our normal pace and cadence of business to just a just an up and down cadence of business and we knew if we didn't show up you know the, the the small subset of people that depended on the deli mainly I would say you know generally speaking the elderly would not be able to eat that day 
So they relied on you. I remember you coming home, and in some cases, the first couple of weeks, we were the only store that was open. We were the only business that was open, so people relied on you say, feeding them, basically. I would, out of, I would say out of 15 stores in the area that we, we are in, we were the only one open. And even then, it wasn't that great. <laughs> that tells you how long how many people left the city how do you how do you emotionally prepare yourself for something like that this is a mental health podcast how do you mentally and emotionally prepare yourself for going into the trenches so to speak the front lines so to speak um how do you prepare yourself for that day after day i would say i draw that perspective and that skill set from my previous roles just being able to adapt to change and I've always kind of been someone who's able to do that fairly well uh, it wasn't always like that but I, I grew into that for a number of years being able to adapt to change um, so that's a strength of yours being able to adapt to change I would say yes that, that now um, so tell me when you come home right when you come home did you do anything to mentally or emotionally prepare yourself to sort of get yourself to a level where you're not um, on the go, um, not in crisis mode uh, during COVID-19? What are some techniques and tools you've done? This is a hard question, Trisha, because uh, for me, I'm a very high-strung person in general. <laughs> right. And my whole career has Straight been... Straight up New Yorker right it, here it, it you're talking been, to. It has always been crisis mode. Everything... <laughs> right hyper crisis hype we have to get things done right do them efficiently get yeah. them done correctly yeah. and for me to unwind like that and turn it off um during covid is different than when you're just working a regular you know regular job during so COVID, our listeners what would you advise them to do to our listeners for, what? For, for me what i had done and i don't know if this will work for other people what i had done it to unwind from covid because it's a much different thing i had to adapt so what I had to do was, uh, at night I would, I, I took a lot of uh, uh, peppermint oils and eucalyptus oils and you know, took baths and those types of <laughs> things. Sounds great. It's very relaxing. <laughs> right. And it automatically puts you in a, in a state of, okay, I'm, I'm now winding down. Right. I'm going to start relaxing. Yeah. I'm going to start, you know, getting myself prepared to just shut down um i would and you know they say not to do this but i would watch netflix for a couple <laughs> a couple of five minutes and then turn it off and that was i would say that was the first week because it was just a shock you know shock yeah. to the system learning how to what, what kind of adapting do i need to do and it was very everything was uh, such a change no day was the same right. so i would say as things started to quote unquote normalize i would then start to adapt to different things in different ways as the city started to change i had to change with it emotionally so, and mentally though thank you for that i remember you telling me something about meditation okay so like i like i was going into I, right as the city started to get a little bit more comforting i remembered my skills that i was doing when i had suddenly became unemployed right. i had wanted to do other things other goals other projects ones that one of them were tra was transcendental meditation going back into that uh the classes that i had taken and learned I went back into that and really did that for, you know, the first, like tried to do that as much as I could. Also, I did listen to online uh, 
you know, meditation tapes, meditation sounds, that sort of thing. I'm, I'm big on that. For people who don't know who are listening, who are my good <laughs> friends, they might not know that I do this, but it's part <laughs> of what I do to un- unwind yeah. from being so high strong. I, I do meditate quite often right. and it does help me. Um, and you know, when, when Rio would come home, my full, full confession here, I would be afraid to talk to her or even be close to her um, because she was coming home, coming to Jersey from New York City where she's interacting with everyone. Yeah, you guys were wearing masks and everything, but I know that took a toll on you too, like feeling isolated from me and me and our mom. So I would um, say, you, you know, let's, we could pause there and kind of go into that a little bit, dig a little deeper. Yes, I would say the majority of the, my team in the city and myself we shared those stories because those first four weeks were very isolating right. and lonely for all of us. Their families didn't want to talk to them. My family at home <laughs> didn't want to talk to me. Sorry. You know, I had I have friends that were, you know, it felt very isolating. And I, I had some weird sense of guilt also uh, feeling any kind of joy those first four weeks. I didn't want to wow. feel joy. Really? Yeah, it was a weird thing I was going through. I did not want to feel joy or have any break in in. in in my momentum of just getting through the day and doing what I had to do. Oh man, um, that's sad. Yeah, it was. I, looking back, it is kind of sad, but I, that's, I, you know, my friends had met on a Zoom meet and I yeah. remember telling them, no, I just can't break what I'm doing right now. I just, I'm, I'm in my work mode. I yeah. got to get this done because got, if I yeah. stopped and thought about what I was doing, right. I, I don't know what my reaction to the next day would have been. Um, I needed to keep myself in that frame of mind. Okay. Get, get ready, get it done, keep, keep focused on the goal and tackle the day. Um, and then as things started to change, like I said, you know, yeah. I started to change with it and, you know, relaxed a little bit, talked about it a little bit more, which was helpful. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, you know, it, the first four weeks were really tough. You know, the sirens were constant. Uh, we, we are in the middle where, where our family businesses is in the middle of a, right. you know, New York Presbyterian, Sloan Kettering. You had doctors and nurses coming um, a in. A lot of doctors and nurses just like telling, you know, when you're asking, how is it? You know, right. how is today? You know, what are you seeing? You know, is, is the news accurate? You know, you're fact checking yourself yeah. with, the, yeah. with what they're saying, trying to see what's, you know, in the middle, there's the truth somewhere, you know? So yeah. I'm asking whoever is a, you know, reliable source, you know, source of truth, yeah. have you, is this, you know, what's going on? And it's it's disheartening and and sad to learn yeah. that it, it was true and that you know a lot of the doctors said to me those first couple of weeks you know we're all gonna get it we're all gonna get it you know so yeah that's it's, it's scary just stuff. very sad and scary to hear that you know well, and it wasn't just one doctor it was a lot of them they're saying you know we're all exposed we're gonna get it we just have to keep healthy and get through it and that's what was so scary too um that, that is an, scary. An, but it was scary, but it was a moment of acceptance once you accepted that fact that, hey, look, we're, gonna, we're probably going to get it, that we just have to, like, move forward and just yeah. get through it. Then it was a, se- a sense of relief because... A sense of relief because you got an answer? I got an answer and also... Right. Okay. It gave, it gave direction. Mm. You are going to get it. <laughs> if, if you do get it, when you get it. You know, you just have to get through it. And I was like, okay. But there's also some people that won't get it. So, um, what is the number? <laughs> I'm not totally dismissing you there. Um, but, you know, there's some people that are not going to get it. And some people that do are going to get it. What is the number one item people have been buying, Rhea? At the family business. 
to be. I know the answer. That's why I'm asking her. One hundred percent honest and real. You know, um, and I, this goes for the elderly. This goes for grandmas. <laughs> this goes for you know people you don't expect. But it's beer. You yeah, know, beer and self-medicating. And, yeah, yeah. I would say that. And um, you know, we're next door to a liquor store, and they were just. I mean, they were just doing. They did more business. Tons of business. In they did more business during COVID than they did all year long in those four weeks. So that was kind of something that I, I really didn't expect to hear, you know, like, right. I mean, you know, people are out there starving for food, but they're, they're willing right. to spend their last $2 on a can of beer just to like get through just being in the city. Right. And you know, wearing your mask all day, it's stressful. You can't breathe. You yeah. can't breathe for 12 hours a day, 12, you know, seven days straight, which was what I was doing. those back to back days yeah you know wearing that mask it's not easy it was not easy to breathe it was just very mentally draining you know there were moments where I felt like I was never going to take a deep breath again I was scared to breathe in my car even on the way home yeah you know I remember a moment where I called my one of my best friends and I'm like oh my god it's here it's here in Jersey <laughs> and she's like number yeah. one she's too like, well she was she we had like the most cases at one point we had a lot of cases. I don't know. But where we live, it was not a lot. Where we live was not a lot. And right. I had, in my mind, I had set, I had, in my mind, I told myself that New Jersey's safe. New Jersey's <laughs> safe. As long as I get out of the city, right. I'll be able to breathe outside. Right, right. And when I heard the news that we had 80, you know, <laughs> meanwhile, New York has hundreds, hundreds. of you know, you know, thousands you know, people. Yeah. And I'm looking at this 80, I, I was so devastated it yeah. devastated me because right. I remember wanting to take off my mask and take a deep breath once I got home and I didn't want to do that and that made me very depressed and very sad and I, I, I called my best friend I was just like you know you know I can't I can't breathe I'm, I'm having a little bit of anxiety I can't breathe and right. this is like scaring me and like she kind of talked me down like listen you're fine as opposed to everybody else you know right. this is not in the grand scheme of things keep it in perspective right. there was a moment that I a moment of ignorance whatever whatever I told kind of tricked my mind into thinking for that yeah. moment to get through it that's what I did it was so. like a coping mechanism it was for you. it was and I knew it but I still hearing it on the radio and reading it on Facebook and all that it's it whatever I told myself that just you know that that kind of like proved it to be wrong so I was you know yeah. it wasn't easy well I think you're amazing Rhea thanks Trisha I really appreciate it I love you as my sister I want to give a huge shout out to the frontliners out there doctors nurses um you know in New York City one more thing before we head out I remember you saying coming home one day and saying at 7 p.m. what do New Yorkers do when you're there they applaud for the essential workers and they applaud for the, the people on the front lines, like the doctors and nurses. Um, and it's very nice. It's something that felt really good for them to do that for everyone who really just worked so sacrifice, hard. Yeah. Sac sacrifice themselves to keep people fed, keep people alive, keep people healthy. Yeah. You know, and they're sacrificing their lives. It may seem like a small thing, you know. For us, it was... It was it, it was to for me in the beginning it was to save our family business yeah but it turned into something different really quickly um you know once we saw that, that what was happening and how many people depended 
on us uh, for their lifeline. And we heard over and over again, you're a lifeline, you're a lifeline, thank you so much. Wow. And it, it's pretty, it's pretty something, it's pretty spectacular and amazing. Yeah, you're, I think, you know, if any good comes out of this, it's gonna be that people are just gonna love each other more. I'm just hoping that that happens. And um, you guys sacrifice so much for us, and I thank you for that. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to everyone who's supporting local businesses out there. Support your mom and pop shops. I mean, come on, like, we gotta stick with this together. We, we're gonna get through this together. And wear your mask. Um, your mask, that would be, you know, just awesome. We're gonna get through this together, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every physical way possible. We're gonna try to beat this and we're gonna come out stronger than ever. I really thank you, Rhea. You're just an amazing woman, an amazing person. Thank you. Thanks, Trish. Till next time, people. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>